Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let the voice of love be the loudest one you hear. Hello, and welcome back to the Loved As You Are podcast with your host, Gretchen Crowder. Before we dive in, I wanted to take a moment to thank all of you who have listened to the first five episodes, as well as those who have reached out to me to let me know what this podcast means to you. One listener said, thank you for this podcast. I completed the spiritual exercises in daily life years ago, which helped me heal in my journey post-divorce. Listening to your podcast reminds me of who I am and who I need to be. Can't wait to listen to your future episodes. Another listener said, your podcast is a gem. I'm grateful for the episodes you have released so far. Yet another listener said, you are not alone in these thoughts. I feel like more people need to hear that we are loved as we are, and we need to keep the fear monsters that tell us we are not at bay. That's why we need this podcast. Thank you to all of these listeners and the many others who have reached out this past week. I'd love to hear from more of you if you want to reach out through Instagram or by leaving a review. Your feedback is so greatly appreciated. Thank you as well to the guests who have agreed to come on the show. I'm set to record a couple guest episodes this upcoming week, and I look forward to bringing them to you very soon. Today I'd like to share with you one of my own cannonballs in hopes that it may help you identify and process your own. And of course, in hopes of reminding you of the immense love God has for you, even in the most challenging of moments. I remember when I was first introduced to St. Ignatius of Loyola and learned of his literal cannonball moment. I was actually grateful that my own moments up to that point seemed far less painful and far less bloody. I started reminding myself when bumps in the road came up that, hey, at least it wasn't a ball of solid iron hurtling at my leg. But over the past almost 20 years of diving deeper into Ignatius's story and the stories of others, I have learned that cannonballs, they come in all shapes and sizes and even materials. And sometimes the pain we feel because of them has not manifested as a large and obvious physical wound that everyone can see. Well, actually, most of the time, the pain we feel isn't a large and obvious physical wound that everyone can see. But it still hurts. 
This past December, I had one of my largest cannonball moments yet. And even now, 17 weeks later, I'm honestly still processing it. It happened on a Wednesday morning in December, a bustling morning full of final exams and Christmas wishes. Instead of hustling around, however, I was lying down, exhausted on the couch, while my son, who was home with the flu, played happily near me. He was content with his day off. It was somewhat a relaxing day, until the phone rang. From the calmest, most monotone voice, I heard, Miss Crowder, your test results are in. Most everything looks good, but two results. But they're really important. You need to go to the ER as soon as you can. The next few days went by in a blur of tests, nurses, doctors, family visits, and a lot of time alone staring at the hospital room TV while aimlessly refreshing the app that could tell me my latest test results. That app was gold. It was how I already knew, even before the doctor confirmed it for me, that I had a rare disease called Addison's. Thank you, Dr. Google. Addison's disease is an autoimmune disease. Having it means that at some point my immune system decided my adrenal glands were the enemy, and as a result, took them out. I now no longer produce cortisol and aldosterone, two hormones produced by the adrenal glands that help keep us hydrated and, well, alive. So in order to stay alive and functioning, I am now steroid-dependent for the rest of my life. I also have to constantly measure how I'm feeling, my blood pressure, my heart rate, and most importantly, I have to trust my instincts as to when I need to take more steroids. If I don't, I could go into what's called an adrenal crisis. That adrenal crisis is what led me to the ER in December. Cortisol is a hormone in our body that rises naturally with unexpected large stressors, the fight or flight, if you will. But since my body no longer produces it, I have to be the one to artificially raise my cortisol with steroid medication, including figuring out when to increase the dosage for the really big stressors. And for the really big stressors where I might be incoherent and unable to raise the levels myself, I now have to carry an emergency injection kit and hope somebody nearby is brave enough to use it. Despite being a physical disease, Addison's disease, like many autoimmune diseases, is somewhat an invisible illness. For the most part, I'm navigating life looking and acting perfectly normal on the outside especially now that I have the right medicines to help me do that. Even when I'm sick, it might not really look like it. Case in point, I walked myself into the ER that December day to learn that internally I had a deadly high level of potassium and a deadly low level of sodium. In that moment, and the over three months that have followed, I have very much felt a wound that no one else could see. That was the massive cannonball, and if you want to hear more of the play-by-play of some of the most scary moments of my life this past December, I tell the full story on episode 89 of the Pickle Jar podcast, hosted by Jill Battle, as well as I wrote about all the gory details on my blog at GretchenCrowder.com. But for the purposes of this episode, I want to tell you what I learned from those hours alone in a hospital room because it was exactly those hours that helped me finally see where God is in the most challenging moments of our lives. 
In the past, I thought perhaps God was the one throwing the cannonball, or at least letting it happen, in order to force me to change my direction, to change my perspective, and to lead me forward on a new path. In the past, I also had the notion that perhaps God was absent during the cannonball, but came by later to help clean up the wounds and the damage it had caused. And in my snarkier moments, I might have even imagined God smiting those that played a hand in causing the cannonball in the first place. But this past December, as I lay in a hospital room, waiting to figure out what was wrong with me, I felt God right there. Not even a chair across the room, but right there, lying right next to me, a hand on my shoulder, waiting and walking with me. Just a couple weeks ago, we walked through the passion and death of Jesus and celebrated his resurrection on Easter Sunday. To be honest, sometimes I barrel right through the Lenten season, just wanting to get to the other side, to the resurrection, to the light at the end of a dark tunnel. I speed through Holy Week knowing that joy is just around the corner and wanting to grab hold of it as fast as I can and never let it go. I speed through walking with Jesus in his pain so I can get to the good stuff. And I'm guessing I'm not the only one who does that. But God, God doesn't do that with me. Instead, God lies right down next to me, a gentle hand on my shoulder, and shares in my pain for as long as the hurt lasts. I felt like a colossal mess in that hospital. I didn't expect to be there, so I didn't exactly shower and dress for the occasion. And then once I was there, I was hooked up to an IV and so many monitors that I wasn't able to easily move, let alone clean myself up. I also was not exactly aware of what was wrong with me, so I was a little afraid to do anything but the bare minimum. And still, God was there lying next to the stinky, messy, unkempt me, and loving me exactly as I was. It was that love that kept me calm. It was that love that kept me alive. It was that love that kept me fighting for the care I needed then and every step of the way since. When we truly feel and believe that we are loved as we are, It makes us capable of doing so much more than we think is possible. That love from God and from the people God placed in my life as well kept me moving forward after I exited the hospital. It gave me the energy and the drive to learn all I could about Addison's disease. It helped me prepare myself to enter back into my life. And in March, it got me to step on a plane for the first time since my diagnosis. I wasn't sure I was going to be able to do it. I debated over and over again if it was a wise idea this soon after diagnosis. But my husband said, you're going to have to do it sometime. Why not now? So I armed myself with all the tools I needed. Medicines, electrolytes, emergency injections, notes from my endocrinologist, and more, all contained in a bright new red backpack. And I boarded the flight. And everything was just fine.
Sure, I had to updose my medicines a couple times, and I needed way more electrolytes than usual, probably due to being in a different environment and the stress of traveling and staying up late. But other than that, it was fine. I should have known it would be. Because God's hand was still on my shoulder, and God was loving me as I was every step of the journey. Just like God always had been. No matter what. That trip turned out to be one of the most important steps I took post-diagnosis for many reasons, including that it ended up being the last time I would see a dear friend of mine. He was supposed to be at the retreat with me that week. In fact, he was one of the people I spoke to at length about my fears of going. I texted him right before I finally booked the ticket and said, My husband says he thinks I'll be fine and I should just rip the band-aid off sometime, so maybe I'll be there after all. And he responded back, I can hear the beginning of a rip all the way over here. When I got to the retreat center, I texted him and asked if he was there already. He didn't respond. I learned a bit later that he had made it to St. Louis, but had been rushed to the ER when he arrived. He had been undergoing cancer treatments for the past year, but had been doing better. That week, however, he had some really bad issues with his lungs. He sounded terrible on the phone the week before, so I wasn't really surprised. I texted him that I was praying for him, all the while tangibly remembering what being in an ER felt like myself. Right before the retreat wrapped up, he texted me that he was out of the ER and would like to meet me for lunch before my plane took off. We met at a diner and had what would turn out to be our last meal together. He ended up back in the hospital a week or so after I left, and this week, Father Wally Sidney S.J. finally succumbed to his cancer. I miss my friend, and my heart aches not only that I won't be able to see him again in this life, but that he had to suffer at all this past year. But here's something that I know, because I felt it myself so clearly back in December. He was never alone in that hospital bed. Even at his messiest, most imperfect moments, when his body was out of his control, God was right there, hand on his shoulder, loving him exactly as he was. Wally actually knew that truth long before I did. He's part of the reason I know that truth myself, and I will never forget all he taught me about Ignatian spirituality. But I will mostly never forget how he was always my biggest cheerleader, reminding me that my voice mattered and that God wanted me to share it. I've had 51 posts published on IgnatianSpirituality.com, and just this week, I submitted the first one that Wally had not read first before I turned it in. I often sent him my writings, my presentations, my first draft of things, since I started writing back in 2018. Sometimes he had critiques, but most of the time all he had to say was, This is beautiful, Gretchen. Never stop writing. His words and his support were always the boost that fortified me to take one more step forward. I wish he could have heard this podcast. Since my diagnosis in December, I have experienced almost all the things I was afraid of. I have returned to a normal workload with no issues. I have worked out again on a regular basis, and my body remembers how to do so. 
I've had the flu and a cold, and I've made it through both. I have traveled and was fine. And now I have experienced grief. And I know I'll be okay here too. There's a Latin phrase that is used in Ignatian spirituality called agere contra, which means do the opposite. Sometimes being the imperfect human beings that we are, we can succumb to the voice of fear telling us that we are not strong enough, that we are not going to be okay in the end, or that we are alone in whatever battles we are fighting. The voice of fear that says we're not good enough or that this thing we're experiencing is too big for us to handle, or that we are broken and need to be fixed in some way, can be the loudest voice we hear. And when it is, we can be tempted to stop moving forward. We can be tempted to stop pursuing our dreams. We can be tempted to stop believing in our worth. That is exactly when it is time to do the opposite. That is when it is time to shout louder than the voice of fear inside of you and say, I know that I am loved exactly as I am, no matter what. And then just keep on moving. Let the voice of love be the loudest one you hear. Thank you for joining me today on Loved As You Are, an Ignatian podcast, and I hope my cannonball story, well, no, I think I should call it what it is, my love tap story today, helps you find a way to identify and process your own moments when God has come close, whether you were able to feel the hand on your shoulder or not. And I'd like to dedicate this episode to Wally Sidney SJ. Thank you for your life of service to the Jesuits and even more for your friendship. You will be missed. If you like this podcast, subscribe and leave a review. I'd love to have your feedback and be able to continue to move this podcast in a direction that is valuable for you. You can also follow everything related to this podcast at lovedasyouarepod on Instagram and at gretchencrowder.com slash lovedasyouarepodcast. Links to both are in the show notes. Thank you for joining me today. And until next time, remember to be who you are, because that's exactly who God wants you to be. private Christian University is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for.